Perfect. All right, Ingram Smith, Bud Elliott, back again for another episode of the Nolcast. Back for another position preview episode of the Nolcast. Tonight will be the defensive line, the entirety of the defensive line, defensive ends, tackles, and uh, some of them tweeners even there. So, Bud, uh, look forward to jumping into it. As always, we want to thank our sponsors, Legendary Home Loans, Congruity, uh, HR Solutions, and the great team uh, at Madison Social for the Table Restaurant Group. And the website, not to forget, there is LaborDayTailgate.com. Bud, let's talk about some defensive linemen. This will be a fun preview. Um, pretty consistent theme that we've enjoyed doing almost all of these, just the fans in us, because uh, hey, there's a lot of good players on this roster. Uh, but this one will be will be interesting to look at and uh, two areas with uh, kind of unique strengths. And uh, yeah, man, let's 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 do it. Let's jump into this defensive line preview. Let's let's do this thing. So. I, I want to go over some numbers with you, if if you'll allow me. And I, I want to just sort of kind of set the groundwork for wh- where you were last year and, and where we're going into. Um, I'm going to read you some numbers. Uh, Derek McClendon, 509 snaps last year. Robert Cooper, 385. Malcolm Ray, 333. Leonard Warner. 293. Again, these are defensive defensive only, so not, not including special teams. Jarrett Jackson, 156. And then, you know, you got guys that play just in, in garbage time. Um, I mean, Robert Cooper was a, a great Seminole, right? And went through like a lot and played through a lot of, lot of injury uh, last Didn't year. Didn't he just get re-signed by the Seahawks again? That if I hope you so. remember – when we were doing our draft preview, I had mentioned that I had had lunch with a couple current players, and they had mentioned that the Seahawks were particularly keen on Cooper and that that might be a scheme that he could fit in. So good to see that. To your point, a player, particularly after injury last year, that was very, very limited. 100%. And then, you know, we look at the preview magazines. What are they going to tell us? They're going to say, hey, you know, Jared Verse. Jared Verse is a stud. There's no doubt about it. Jared Verse. 386 snaps last year. Jared Verse, 386. Robert Cooper, 385. Your top defensive guy on the defensive line was McClendon at 509. I know they like to rotate a lot, particularly of Odell, but last year you had a lot of guys playing who were just not, you know, particularly high-level players. You also played Dennis Briggs 375 snaps, right? And Dennis Briggs was just not back to the player that he was in 2021 before he got cheap shotted by, was it, did we figure out if it's, is it Notre Dame or Louisville? I'm trying to remember. I, I was in the box for this. I thought it was Louisville, but uh, okay. hard to remember. It, so look, last year's D-line had some really good moments. I thought they stood up pretty well against LSU. They actually stood up kind of well against NC State at times. Right. And then at, at times not. And I mean, obviously they destroyed Miami. They, they, they destroyed a bunch of offenses that were not particularly great and, and situationally not particularly great. But there were some times as well in which the defensive line was not impactful or at least not in a positive way. Uh, you know, Florida at times uh, was able to, to do things to them. You know, Wake Forest was not significantly impacted by this defensive line. Oklahoma, uh, despite missing multiple. Uh, draft pick starters was really rather unfazed 
by this D-line. So I do think that, that if you're betting on defensive improvement this year, and I am, I think most of it comes not from a new scheme, because we talked about this, not from a whole bunch of new starters in other positions. I think it's because you, you believe that your defensive line finds a way to eat. They got to stay healthy, obviously, because you don't want to play, you know, 12 guys, 300 plus snaps or 10 guys, 300 plus snaps. But I think there's a lot of room for improvement, man. And it, to me, it, it starts at the top of verse taking another step verse showing why he came back to school and verse giving you what 500 snaps of dominant play. Maybe only 450 if you blow out as many people as I think you're going to blow out. That that's where the, to me this really has to start. Like it, I do think he has the ability to impact the game much more than he did actually on the field in 2022. And he had a nice year last year, but I do think there's another gear there. Like he had 16 and a half tackles for loss, 12 run stops. You know, can he get more sacks? Right, he had nine. Can Jared Verse give you like a 13, 14 sack year? Can he give you? You know, a sack a game in your six biggest games to where I mean sacks and drives. Stats wise, you know, a pro tip by the way, if you happen to be live betting games from a stadium, like if you're sitting in the stands, if you see a sack, just bet the ex- exact drive outcome punt. Uh, because it, it's it's pretty much locked in. I, I'm just super excited to see Burst this year, dude. If he can take his game to another level, it really becomes problematic for opposing offenses. If Jared Verse plays 420, 425 snaps this year or more, it's hard not to see this defense being pretty damn elite, in my opinion. I mean, I think they're – I don't know – we can talk about Daryl Jackson in a second. I don't know that there's an absolute ready-made superstar on the interior. I think there's a bunch of seven-and-a-halves, eight, eight-and-a-halves. I think they're, they're really solid players uh, that are going to flash. But man, if if verse is healthy and verse is is making the offense entirely reshape what they're doing on that side of the ball as far as pass protection and keeping in a tight end, whatever the ramifications of a dominant Jared verse would be, um, man, look, there's there's other things going on. It's not that simple, but sometimes it is that simple. And if you've got a first round defensive end, a kid who's legitimately has the potential to be one of the first 15 or 12 picks in the draft and he's healthy and he looks like the guy that he's looked like at camp a verse that's put on another eight or nine pounds and is just as fluent and uh or fluid and and fluent in uh and letting everybody know how fluid and dominant he's been uh then this defense you can have you can be really optimistic you can be excited uh, again you know we'll go through individual position previews but you can think that maybe some of that zone eyes and some of the more aggressive work in the secondary that's going on is going to lead to more turnovers. I mean, you, you can you can think that uh, the linebackers that you have, while limited in the in the initial numbers that you have, uh, can play and run and and it all starts up here. And if if verse is healthy, and if first looks like the the LSU verse that we saw last year for eight or nine games then this defense is going to be pretty damn fun to watch. Absolutely. Totally. And especially, I mean, look, how about the number 250? If he gives you 250 snaps against LSU, Clemson, Florida, Miami, and at Pitt, 
I think that like that's really the key number. Like that's the those are the five games that I think right now mm. you need him need him in. Yeah. Right. He's he's got to be big time impact in those big time games, but I think it's it's in him. Like we're not big on sugarcoating stuff here on this pod. I I do think that is legitimately in him. I do think he has a chance to get into the first round, and and maybe like maybe he could be a top half of the first round guy with a big time season. I think he's going to test very well. So if you got the production and you got the testing, yeah. and you got the attitude and work ethic and. He'll test Obviously. very well. He's not. He's not a. He's not like a. He's not going to run like a four five four or something. He's not going to run some forty that's going to make you turn. But he'll he'll run a respectable forty. Everything else will be very very impressive. The dude is going to interview through the roof. I mean, there will be GMs that talk to Jared Verse and are more than comfortable putting a first round investment into him. Uh, yeah. So he's got a lot of things going for him. Definitely. Um, so if you move on from there, uh, you know, we can talk about some of the other rotational pieces at the defensive end. Pat Payton is certainly your assumed other starter. Pat Payton, the ACC Rookie Defensive Player of the Year. Hey, Pat don't Payton. go breaking practice and reporting rules now. <laughs> we, we, we're assuming that the ACC Defensive Rookie of the Year is a starter. <laughs> that, well, yes, I am. I am assuming that. And um, I would... The guy who Look had for my expectations highest. to be made true. Uh, I'll put yeah. it that way. Yeah. I'm super excited about him, dude. Like he is uh he is a dynamic player. I don't know how he's quite as impactful as he is at the weight that he is. I mean, not that he's tiny, but he's really long. Um kind of Brian I, Burnsy. Yeah, kind of without the the you know super rocket and the get off step, but um long place with a lot of uh you know with a lot of angle manipulation i guess as far as some of the stuff you can do with uh with tackles and their hands and um i think he is a very impressive player who looks to have maybe a good year and look uh, this is probably the this is probably the the nil in me looks to have a great year and let's hope he has a true breakout year in 24 i, I think Pat Payton could be a very, very solid player this year. I think he could come back in, in 24 and, and truly launch himself somewhat into the uh, the discussion that we were having similar with Jared. I don't know if he's quite a, you know, a top 10, top 12 type guy at the, uh, the full edge of the spectrum, but, you know, he may well be. And it'd just be interesting to see how that that body and, and that frame matures over over time. So we mentioned FSU's top defensive end, or top, well, yeah, top defensive end last year, played 509 snaps. Their top reserve played 625 snaps for South Carolina. I think that says something, man. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, Gilbert Edmond is arguably your top backup defensive end, and I think he'll play quite a bit, especially against the run. And he's still learning to play. Like he's kind of got the not, not the baby deer thing going on, but like he he he's an impactful guy in some ways. He did have 10 tackles for a loss last year. The the havoc numbers aren't great. The pressure numbers are okay. He had a couple run stops, but athletically, physically, he's kind of what you're looking for. It, it, to, to be able to roll it out there as a backup, he's certainly not going to get overwhelmed physically by, by anybody. He might get beat on technique some. Just because he is, for a guy who played that many snaps, he is definitely somewhat raw, but a very 
potentially valuable piece to have with this lineup. Um, I think for him, getting more pass rush moves or just getting better at the ones that he he does like will be really key. Uh, but man, that that is a big time thing. Last year, your best your your best reserve D end who actually played the most snaps for you, by the way, was McClendon. I think Edmund is potentially as good as McClendon was, right? And I hope I hope that Gilbert Edmund does not play the most snaps out of anybody on this defensive line this year. Yeah, yeah, that would be interesting. A guy who uh, does have a significant amount of experience, as you said, also a guy who's already kind of transformed his body just uh, since being here looks, you know, doesn't look a totally different player. That's that's dumb hyperbole, but. You can tell where he's put on good weight uh, in the, you know, in his midsection and uh, continues to grow. And and you're right. That is a 600 snaps in the SEC is a, a hell of a portfolio of which to build off of. Uh, and that'll be be interesting to see what he looks like and kind of as he evolves throughout the season. I did see South Carolina uh, took a defensive end from UAB today. So mm. uh, okay. a, a, a late graduate transfer, I guess. Um. Look, other defensive ends to know about Byron Turner could be interesting, right? Like, like I think he's kind of got something to him and definitely down the line, like he's been banged up so much th- throughout his career. Like if he ever puts together a healthy streak, it wouldn't shock me if he ends up being a, a good player for you, right? Um, you know, we'll see on some of the young guys as as far as how much they get to play, how impactful they can be. You know, Dante Anderson was a walk-on. People ask us a, a lot about. So you know, I, I think he'll probably get in, into the rotation some. And just realistically, given what you have on this football team and who you face, I, I think you you also probably will play a lot of mixed front stuff, right? Because you do have a piece that we should talk about here, unless you have any more on the defensive end stuff, shifting in to two guys who are sort of transitional type guys, right? And that is Dennis Briggs. And Braden Fisk, mm-hmm. different yeah. but different body types, but certainly two guys who allow you to play a variety of fronts. I think if uh, if you want to do so, I actually did pull this up from my friends at Statsbomb. Uh, that's a company. Most of their stuff's not really public right now, uh, but I do know it's a, a really exciting data company that I, I just I geek out on far too often. Uh, but okay. did you know that Fisk? played almost half of his snaps last year, 48% from between the five tech and the nine tech. So five tech being your classic three down DN nine tech being like your wide nine defensive end, kind of like what, what wake ran against FSU. That shows a lot of versatility. Now, granted he's in the Mac. So I think his speed probably plays a little bit better in the Mac than it does in Tallahassee. But this guy was very productive, uh, 10 or excuse me, 11 tackles for loss. 13 run stops, havoc rate of 2.2%, which is fine. 6%, or, or excuse me, uh, six sacks, 8% pressure rate. Now, Jared Verse last year went healthy. 16% pressure rate, which is just stupid good. I know you could tell me some of it was against bad competition. I, I get that, but still, 16% is, is huge. It's not like it's on 10 snaps. It's on you know almost 400. And yet, I kind of think Fisk might have another level to his game if he's not constantly being double teamed, because what I was able to find is he was double teamed uh, on well over half of his snaps. And Western Michigan did have a couple other good players on that front, by the way. But Fisk, 
in my opinion, was the best of them. And people definitely dedicated quite a bit of, of, uh, of interest to him in terms of blocking. So, you know, we talk about this, this, this defensive front and needed to get a better pass rush from it. And, and you just based off last two years, Adam Fuller seems to want to play a lot of explosive denial defense where you're, you're, you're playing, playing a lot of two shell stuff. You're, you're allowing the ball to be thrown underneath rally, tackle, get up, do it again, use your size in the red zone type stuff. Well, if you're going to do that and you're not going to blitz a whole lot, and I'm not advocating that they blitz a ton more, uh, some more creativity, I think with such a veteran defense should be expected and demanded, I would say, uh, because you should be able to do more things with basically everybody back off last year's defense. However, Fisk is a dude, I think is a versatile piece that allows you to do that. Like he can line up next to love it as a traditional you know, defensive tackle inside type guy. If you want to shift into some three down stuff, he's also given that he played almost half his snaps at Western uh, in doing this. He also can, can sit there and play a five pretty well. So I, I'm excited to see what, what, what this transfer can do. I, I really am. No, man, Fisk is fun. I mean, I think I mentioned this in a, in a prior episode uh, when, when I do get fortunate enough to be able to go to practice, I try to make myself watch at least 10 to 15 to 20 snaps uh, right on the line of scrimmage and just stare at the line of scrimmage and don't ball watch. Don't otherwise you just, you don't, you know, you'll see, Oh, look at the nine yard gain. Don't know what happened. That's great to be able to turn around and look at the screen and you can get a little better idea as to who was trying to block who, et cetera. Uh, but no, I love just looking, getting parallel with the line of scrimmage and, um, and looking out over it. And when you do, you will notice that Braden Fisk is the first helmet to move on damn near every snap. I mean, it is, yeah, haha, he's a white guy, haha, he's sneaky, athletic, whatever. Dude, this guy's this guy's twitch will yeah. shock you. It it will it will be very surprising. He is um, you know, I'm not he's not Peter Bulware or something like that, but he is very, very impressive with how he responds to the ball being snapped. Uh, the violence that that comes with his hands. Uh, he's a he's a ball player. I mean, it's going to be an awful lot of fun to look at how this guy works into the system, how he becomes uh, acclimated with a little bit higher level of ball. No better way to do that than against LSU. Um, LSU offensive line is pretty freaking good, by the way. Yeah. So if if Fisk comes out and really shines in game one, then hey, you might really really have something special. I'm very, you know, of the five guys who I just can't wait to see what it looks like. Fisk is is probably number three or number four on that list for me. He's uh he's quite the talent. Also a, a super fun recruiting story. He was 6'3, 240 in high school and projected to end up as an offensive guard. Uh turns out he kept his twitch despite putting on 65 pounds. So that's not really normal. Most of us who put on 65 pounds after high school. Do not keep our Twitch personally. Yeah, I'll but, uh, have to know. go play some pickup basketball to confirm to you, <laughs> bud, that I have not, in fact, kept my Twitch. Uh, but yeah, no, I'm Fisk not, is Fisk is I'm impressive. Uh, yeah. So, like, the, also he he can take a heavy workload. I mean, last year, I mean, knock on wood, last year, six hundred and eighty-one snaps on the defensive side of the ball. I know a guy who's not happy to see him in the ACC. His name probably is Pat Narduzzi. Because they, Pitt played Western last year, and uh, you know, granted, like like Pitt beat them, obviously, but um, that's not a guy you love facing, especially because you really are not going to double him 
if Jared Verse is in the lineup, if Pat mm-hmm. Payton's in the lineup. I just how old is Fisk? He's got to be like 22, right? I mean, class would be. He looks older. Yeah. Uh, to me. What's his birthday? They don't, they don't do they don't do birthdays. Uh, yeah, bo- born January 18, 2000. So this guy's been 23 okay. for almost the whole year. Yeah. Yeah. Well, basically the entire year. Yeah. That that's a grown man who understands technique, does have good get off, and is able to help you out, I think, in a lot of ways. Um, who is probably going to get single blocked quite often. Mm-hmm. Um that's helpful, right? By the way, yes, I, I, I agree with you. LSU's offensive line, if I had to pick an offensive line that had the best chance of holding up against this defensive front, it's the opening game offensive line. I mean, I, they, they both – I think this defensive front has a number of NFL players, and I'm pretty damn sure LSU's offensive front does too. Mm-hmm. So. Um, so if we got a pass rusher, got a couple other good guys. Do we need to talk uh, Jackson here? Let's talk Jackson. So it will be very interesting uh, to see how this plays out. There is no, I want to stress, there's no inside info here because there's no inside info to give from a FSU perspective or anything else. I will say, as someone that is familiar with the NIL landscape, and when I mention that in this reference, I mean politically, um, that you can watch some of the things going on and it wouldn't shock me if, and I'm not speaking specific to Jackson here, wouldn't shock me if maybe all of these waivers that were requested before the rule, I don't want to say the rule was changed, but the, the rule seemed to be interpreted a little bit the differently. clarification was handed down? Yeah, clarification and intent to uh, enforce said rule with, with a little bit more uh, consistency and intent. I'm saying there's a chance that all of those guys might get cleared based off what is transpiring in front of us. Um, some of the politics of NIL, meaning an NCA president that needs broader support to push some of the things that he's trying through uh, the federal landscape. Don't don't go on a message board and tell you that uh, that's, that I said Daryl Jackson's getting cleared, whatever. I'm but I'm telling you. When I look at the uh, the chess pieces, so to say, yeah, I, I, I would not surprise me at all if if everybody who was in before that clarification ends up getting their waiver, um, what upheld or or granted? Yeah, we'll we'll go with granted. The, the more simple of the terms, but yeah, I mean, look, it, it sort of calls the question. Why are you needing to issue a clarification if you're claiming, if you, the NCAA, is claiming that this has been been the rule the whole time and this is always how you've done it? You're issuing a clarification because you know that the way your your organization acted for the last three years was to essentially grant these no matter what, right? Very Somewhere between a 70 and 85% clip if you look at them over the past couple of years. And basically any kid who, who was going to a big time school could get an attorney and they would they would basically roll over. Now, this is not like totally ex post facto because the rule was always the rule, but I do think it's sort of ex post facto in like the clarification being handed down after these kids had transferred and enrolled 
is sort of ridiculous. And for the NCAA, like, wait a second. So we can maybe get some political capital and maybe get your vote on something. If you notice, I mean, DeSantis is out there. Rubio's out there. North Carolina's governor is out there. I wouldn't be shocked if Arizona, because I, I think both state and and uh, and the Wildcats are waiting on a waiver player. Like if those maybe their maybe their presidents can lean on the governor or or a senator out there or something. Um, you know, if you're in a like so we can avoid a PR disaster or at least avoid avoid extending one, and then we get some votes. That's kind of a win-win. Like, oh no, don't help me avoid a PR disaster here. Uh, also, I mean, dude, if you think about this, there are cases that are a little more uh, that will play worse in the public for the NCAA than di- than just the DJ case, right? Tez, uh, you're muted. Yep. Tez Walker at uh, um, Chapel Hill. at North Carolina. His first transfer was because his school that he was at, which was an FCS school, so one double A, their season was canceled due to COVID. I mean, that's kind of not really going to work if you're doing something. And the other one, there, there's one that has uh, uh, alleged religious discrimination. So, uh, look, I mean, I'm not guaranteeing that, that these guys are going to be eligible. Daryl Jackson, if he is eligible, does have a significant chance to be Florida State's best interior defensive lineman. It would be a significant impact, particularly in the biggest of games that you want to play, right? Miami, Florida, it probably makes Clemson chuck the ball around more. If he plays, you could make LSU a little more one-dimensional because of his ability to be an absolute clogger in the middle and just be huge. I mean, he's, he's enormous. And he's not super consistent, but the best stuff he has is really good. It's like yep. that that closer in baseball, man. Yep. If he comes out there and he's throwing strikes at all, you are done because like the, the stuff is just not really hittable. That's kind of what he's got in in stopping the run game, like to, to my eye at least. I'm I hope this guy gets eligible because I am excited to see what he can do, and it definitely changes your defense, so, especially with how much with how much too high you you, you want to have. I mean, if he can two gap, that's a big deal. I don't know that you have a great two gapper right now. I think you got a lot of guys who may be passable two gappers, but if you got a great one or a guy who who has the ability to have, give you some great two gap snaps, maybe not every snap, uh, that does change what you could do. Yeah. Josh Farmer. Josh Farmer. After putting on. Oh, we forgot to talk Fabo. Fabo. Yeah. I mean, a guy who came back. I know he considered the draft and. Um, Dude who has a lot of ability when healthy. I mean, like last year, I know he, I don't think he was fully healthy for part of the year, right? I think that's fairly well known at this point. Gave you 470 snaps, you know, and five tackles for loss, 12 run stops, pretty good stop rate. Like this is another guy who is an upper tier defensive tackle when healthy in the ACC. Like another, I mean, he's, it's, if, if Jackson doesn't get cleared, I, I think. It's it's healthy Fabo and Fisk probably yeah you yeah. know healthy Fabo is your starting defense tackle absolutely something to be really excited about all sorts of different numbers out there last year when you look at defense with Fabo defense without Fabo Fabian Lovett 
uh he's he's you know we we know what he is he's pretty damn good football player when he goes out there and uh look forward to seeing what that looks like josh farmer uh put on some real good weight josh farmer you know ready to have a a pretty explosive year maybe somewhat similar to pat payton although you you know payton will be starting farmer i think you know this is the year to make the make a jump next year's the year to if you're trying to launch yourself into a for Josh, what I would say, maybe the first, you know, 50 picks in the NFL draft or something like that. That's a, a 2024 project. But uh, 2023, I think, is is the year that much more of the college football landscape starts to become familiar with Josh Farmer. Um, a guy who, hey, look, uh, not going to give away any strategy. I'm not sure I have one. Josh Farmer snap count draft. He could take. He could take 285. He could take 585. I mean, Josh Farmer may have as much variance at the defensive tackle position as as anybody that we're going to talk about as far as how many snaps he could take. Part of that's some of the questions, uh, you know, otherwise found at the defensive line position. But uh, I think Farmer is going to really, really surprise people. Uh, he's, he's set himself up well for a year, and I would expect him to have that type of year. If, if Jackson can't go – you need love it, but you also, you know, you need, uh, um, you, you need farmer to, to be able to do some two gap stuff, to be able to be a good run defender for you. Like, I don't know if he's going to be an elite pass rusher, but you don't really need to do that. Like you need yeah. to be a consistently reliable guy in the middle to use his strength and use and, and, and use the bulk that he's put on in order to stop the run. Um, man, we are running a little bit long on this. All right. It's basically two position groups. That I mean, is this, true. One, this one's going to be our longest one. You're talking about a lot of players. So linebacker will not be as long. Yeah, DB won't be as long. Linebacker won't. It also won't be from the bar at my bachelor party. So, you know, you can expect a little bit more detailed conversation as opposed to last year's linebacker preview. Um, yeah, AO Tafasi, really strong, physically gifted kid. Uh, a guy that's going to probably be sprinkled in the rotation some. Excited to see what he looks like. State champion wrestler, bud, as a sophomore at heavyweight. First year he ever wrestled, then uh, never wrestled again. So, you know, it's good to just do it once, go out on top. That's that's my kind of style there. That That is that is an awesome note by you there. I like that. Uh, also, you know, Malcolm Ray still mm-hmm. around on the roster a guy who i mean sneaky 333 snaps a lot last of snaps year. last year yeah yeah i mean daniel lyons guy who i think could get some interesting play for you this year i'm excited to see him um i mean like other than that you didn't lose anybody like bishop thomas is at colorado and he really couldn't get on the field you know mm-hmm. Bray is i'm not really sure uh he, he couldn't get on the field so yeah i'm i'm, I'm very excited to watch this group i if Florida State gets to to its ultimate goals this year, it's almost assuredly because this broke right. You need to run good here on D-line. You need guys to play to their ceilings. You probably need the waiver to be granted, and you need to stay healthy. And I'm I'm hoping that they can because it's going to be a really fun group to watch. I feel like these have been very positive, very fun position previews. This one right there with it. Again, we want to thank our sponsors, congruityhr.com the legendary home loan team of Shannon and Chad. I believe 500 and teens. Nolcast listeners have now gotten a loan through uh, those gentlemen, and there's a damn good reason for 844-FSU-LOAN. 
And uh, finally, our friend Matt Thompson and his team at Madison Social. Again, join us for the tailgate that they are doing for the LSU game. LaborDayTailgate.com is the website. And we hope to see as many of y'all out there that can possibly make it. But we'll be back. We'll do linebackers next. Thank you so much for listening to another episode of the Nolcast. Yes, sir.